passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of the long and winding Royal Road. My name's W.H. Uh, Park, uh, recently vaccinated with the first dose of Pfizer, proud to say, and uh, I will be getting my second dose in a couple of months. Uh, and then I'll be still wearing a mask after that because this province that I live in, which is Ontario, is full of idiots. So I will not be trusting the, the general public not to be giving me COVID regardless if I'm fully vaccinated or not. But anyways, enough of that. Uh, this is the long and winding road road, the look back at the greatest era of in-ring professional wrestling in the history of this great sport. And uh, that's the 1990s era of all Japan pro wrestling, just in case you weren't aware or a new listener. And my guest today is Rich Fan from the Pro Wrestling Torch. Now, Rich, I had to ask you, is it Rich Fan or is it Rich Fan the second? Uh, it's either I, got, I put the second up there just because my dad hates Junior or hated Junior. So when, I, when he named me, it was Richard Fan the second. It's Rich Fan. I've known myself most of my life. Like when people call me things, it'd be Rich Fan. So Rich Fan works for me. All right. So we, we'll just use Rich today because like I think you and I can be uh, on, on first name basis here. I think so. I think that I, th- I think we've earned that with WH. We've served together and, you know, we dug coal and fought against the forces of that cross Atlantic. Uh, evil during nxt uh up uh, what was it nxt oh god i can't even remember the name of the quiz show now i've, I've failed this all oh and uh up next up next there up next right yeah yeah Braden harrington and david portman uh, check out their patreon check out their wonderful shows covering not just uh, uh, nxt but like tons of other things but uh i i was not part of the team i i did have to do uh my joke to to like when will cooling would uh, say, you should help us on be part of the team. I'd be like, listen, I got to prepare to do a, a show, a podcast with a real podcaster, a real journalist named John Pollock, <laughs> not, not, not Will Cooling. But it's, it's all in jest because I do respect Will Cooling very much. Uh, he does some great work. He, he just did a great report about the, uh, the APPG, uh, that's about the professional wrestling in, in, in the United Kingdom. Go check that out. He did a great podcast about it. And you guys talked about it recently on your own podcast, right, Rich? Yeah, we did. It was a, it was a good chat. We did it call-in format, so kind of educating folks who had called in on uh, what was going on across the pond, how it can be received compared to, like, our American side of things. Because, you know, going into the election last year, Andrew Yang in particular had espoused that he was going to be pushing for unionization of wrestlers and all these things when, uh, if Joe Biden became president and lo and behold, he's focused more on becoming mayor of New York than any of that stuff. Mm. Well, yeah, I don't ever see unionization of wrestling ever happen in my lifetime because, um, well, simply because wrestlers are marks 
for the business and they will never unionize if like if only if only half of them want to unionize it'll never happen they all have to want to unionize and most of them don't want to unionize so i think a lot of them are anti-union so that's just my estimation on that but uh not only do do we have a mutual acquaintance in in one uh, will cooling we also have one in in one nate milton who i do uh podcasts about the mcu with and you, you've done podcasts with uh, our good friend brother nate of course, yes. Brother Nate usually had me on for the NWA, and then he just had me on a few weeks ago to talk WrestleMania. I, I was quite jealous when I saw you guys are going to be doing Falcon Winter Soldier together because uh, Nate, I, I, I love the way he puts things together. And obviously, I love, uh, as I've sold the folks on my show, you know, we try not to be a silo when it comes to content because the one thing I've picked up from this pandemic is people need stuff to listen to. And I love you and Nate and everyone at the post, really the commentary y'all have had with uh, doing the MCU uh, shows and then how you can tie it into your wrestling and outside of wrestling interests. And that just makes it seem like we have interests outside of wrestling, which is always helpful and help color a conversation. Well, I should also put over the wonderful people at Pro Wrestling Torch, not only yourself, Rich, Will Cooling, but my good friend, Alan Farrell, Alan Cunahan, always, always have a wonderful opinions about the world of wrestling especially japanese wrestling and i and i was listening to uh you you guys and um i was was it sean cedor mm-hmm. or sean radican i forget yeah sean radican probably sean Radican. sorry i don't know why uh my, mixing up my the sean's i associate with wrestling in my head here but like you guys did a wonderful dissection of current new japan product and uh probably more more honest and and uh, forthcoming than than I was recently, but like, I just like to say ghetto is shit, but you know, <laughs> Alan just, Alan, you and, and, and Sean just like, Oh, took it to, took it to the product, especially Alan, which is it's not comedy here because Alan tends to be a bit more, you know, tries to lean into the positivity about his love of professional wrestling. So, but check, check all that stuff over at the torch on the uh, VIP side, I believe. And uh, it's worth our membership for sure to check that out. But, but Rich, today we're going to talk about all Japan of the 1990s. And I want to, I want listeners to know, like, what's, what's your background as a fan of this era of wrestling? Well, one of the reasons I was really excited about doing this podcast with you is this match in particular was my introduction to all Japan in the nineties and all Japan proper. And so that this to me was something in college that became a bit of an obsession because uh, at the time I had fallen, it was still the attitude era. I went to college in 99, 2000. So it was in the throes of the attitude era. And while that was entertaining, I, I, once I saw this, I wanted to see more, do more, think more about it. And so I just would buy tapes on eBay and go through all the usual methods to acquire them. And then, you know, Kazaa and all these other illegal streaming services, people were randomly sharing them there. And so I just kept searching. And I was a Misawa guy. I, I was always, you know, with out of the pillars, each of my friends, we took one. Uh, one of my buddies, my best buddy, Chris Maitland, who appears a lot on my shows on the torch, was a big Kabashi guy. Uh, I, I, I watched this match and Stan Hansen uh, really came to life for me between this match. And then there was another one with where he wrestled Ricky Chosu and kept calling him Chosu Ricky and then spitting after he would say his name. And so just the animus and the insanity of all Japan, just it, it sucked me in from the, the moment I saw it. And so uh, this nineties era is hard hitting. Obviously everyone talks about strong style, but when you talk about it, I think this match exemplifies it for good and bad, because 
this is stuff if you saw it now you'd probably get seven think pieces about how the wrestlers did so many unnecessary things to themselves but at that time they were really trying to establish themselves as this style and so they said you know basically to hell with the consequences we're just going to do this and uh, I, it, it, it needs to be seen. So if you haven't seen any of the 90s, all Japan, uh, get a pack of ice, sit down and just enjoy it. Well, would, would I be wrong in assuming that then that, that this match that we're going to talk about, we'll, we'll introduce it in a second, but that your introduction to all Japan was your introduction to Japanese wrestling as, as a whole? Actually, it wasn't. My introduction to Japanese wrestling as a whole was the wrestle the the all japan new japan wwf wrestling summit where i got to watch hulk hogan wrestle in a style i had never seen before like i can tell you i had never been more thrown off than when i saw terry balea hit an insiguri in the middle of a match and then transition into chain wrestling i i i thought i had a stroke I was like, wait, I, do I smell almonds? Am I dead? Am I dreaming that the boring big dude is now all of a sudden like the smoothest cat in the ring? And it made me realize at a younger age, and then as I got older, I realized how much of a craven uh, uh, opportunist he was. He gets his audience and he'll give them what they want. And so that, that, was, my, that, that was my actual first introduction to a version of Japanese wrestling. Right. I, I wouldn't call anything that had WWE, WWF involvement like pure, yeah. you know, pro res. But um, one thing I want to I want to just, um, you know, comment on before we in, get to the match itself is is you, you mentioned strong style, the term strong style. And the nerd in me came out and thought, no, but Rich, we're talking about Royal Road. Royal Road. We're yeah, talking about the King's Road here. We're not talking- yeah, I know it, it, it slipped out because it, it's become in this modern era, they've become interchangeable, which they aren't. And I apologize for all my all Japan heads in the streets. I know I just lost some points. But yes, the Royal Road versus Strong Style, Enochism versus Baba and, oh, dear God, Baba. I, I could probably do a podcast just on my love of Baba as a commentator. He was my gorilla monsoon as I waded into all of the All Japan matches. Because anytime I said, I was just like, I had no idea what you just said. But Baba to me was saying like, preaching from the mountaintop. And I was just entranced with him. And then when I saw him in the ring, it was even better because it was clear, like the bosses in the ring make this dude look great. And it, it, it was just so obviously pro wrestling that it, it let me kind of like understand some of the similarities between American and Japanese style, where the differences are so vast in terms of the, uh, like you said, the Royal Road versus say American versus take strong style. Yeah. I mean, like I, I hate that term now, strong style, yeah. because it was bastardized by, you know, like t- the early 2000s Ring of Honor, yeah. you know, like where fucking Gabe Sapolsky was going on about American strong style. And it's like, no, these dudes are just dropping themselves on each other's head. This is not, ah. it's neither strong style nor, nor the Royal Road. Like, I would say of like that entire scene, there's like maybe three wrestlers who ever came close to epitomizing either strong style or the Royal Road. That would be like Samoa Joe, Brian Danielson. And probably, you know, and I'll say it low key, you know, that's it. Everyone else are just like pretenders to, to like trying to do it, like including people like Homicide and, and um, who else would be a pretender to that at like, um, 
Oh, Dave, oh, Roderick Strong, not really. Uh, JD Rich is definitely a pretender to that. That's not to say I don't enjoy their work. I do, but I just hate that they would adopt like this, this, this idea of strong style or railroad to their, to their style of wrestling. It's no, you, you are firmly entrenched in like the being like American wrestlers who love a certain style, but you have not actually adopted that style to, to it, like, to a point where you could call yourselves masters of it. You're just kind of like pretenders to it. Um, but anyways, I'm not going to get on a rant about American, you know, indie style back in the early 2000s. That's something I can say for my good friend, uh, you know, over at Graffold, then that would be Benno. I'm sure I'd have a wonderful conversation about that with him. But let, let's talk about the match that you picked, Rich. Like, which, which match are we going to talk about today? All right. So this is July 1993. This is uh, Kenta Kabashi versus Stan Hansen. And this is one of my favorite matches because, like I said, it was my first All Japan match. And the story, just as a general idea, at this point in 93, Kobashi had not yet ascended to be a pillar. He was not one of the four pillars yet. And so because of that, he's this uh, not necessarily bright-eyed, bushy-tailed or fresh-faced, but he's an ascending talent that wants to prove himself against Hanson, who's been known across uh, New Japan, All Japan, as a hard hitter, as a bad dude. And so he's a gatekeeper and a style that really is, God bless you. Um, you know, I, I had a chance and in, in this, I'll, I'll, I'll save that to the end. That'll be my Marvel postscript stinger. But uh, with this match, it was something different to me because while it was a brawl, while it was a head drop spectacle, it also made sense. And I think, I know you said you didn't want to talk about it, but I think, that also pulled at me because I was starting to watch early Ring of Honor and I could see one thing is not like the other. You know, the, the idea of a fighting spirit in America became let's kick out of a move and let's no sell a move as opposed to what the impetus is behind those kickouts, the impetus behind what the uh, not necessarily no sell, but delayed sell meant. And so this match was chock full of all of that and more. Uh, and you can hear it not only with the fear that starts this match for Hanson, because the crowd as always is afraid of Stan Hanson because he is the guy Gina This dude should have caught like at least 10 cases while he was in Japan between the number of people he's hit with that cowbell or bull rope on the way to the ring. And it, it just the finish of this match. Uh, I, I don't think there's a few times in my life. I've made the noise I made the first time I saw that finish. I, I can share the sentiment the first time I, I hadn't watched this match in a long time, but I remember like, I wonder if it's the, the, the particular Kobashi Hansen match that I remember. And it was because I, once I got to the finish, once this finish was being set up, I was like, Oh, here it comes. And then <laughs> we'll, we'll save the finish for, of course, during the match review, but the, the finish I popped out. Cause I thought, I thought Hansen had committed murder on, on Kobashi in, 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 in the, what he did to him. But um, w- one thing we get, we should talk about, uh, about the individual participants in this match. And that one is kind of Kobashi, of course. And this is like an era, like you were saying, Rich, this is an era where like Kobashi is coming out of like being like kind of the third guy in the super generation army behind, you know, behind Misawa, behind Kawada, and just kind of ahead of his, his taxing partner, Siyoshi Kikuchi. Um, at this point, I think like, uh, you know, I don't, I can't remember if Kawada has formed the the Holy Demon Army with Tawei at this point yet. But if he hasn't, then then he's 
Kobashi hasn't ascended to the role of being Masawa's tag team partner, his you know right hand man, so to speak. So this is a very important match for Kobashi because he's he's kind of emerged out of that undercard guy, and like you can see that Baba has a lot of faith in him, and that you know Kobashi has proven himself as this kind of like guy that you know you can rest the company on along with people like Masawa and and Kawada. And I think with regards to Stan Hansen, like he is the perfect word. He's the gatekeeper. He is such an important person in this, in this time in 1993 to the ascension of pretty much all the pillars, but in particular to Kobashi and to Toshiaki Kawada, not so much with Masao because that that's Jumbo's role, right? Like by default for, for reasons, you know, that are only known to giant Baba, like, you know, he Baba never pulled the trigger uh, as far as like Masawa beating Jumbo for the triple crown. But the first time, you know, you know, like that, that um, Masawa wins the triple crown becomes champion. It's, it's against Stan Hansen. Stan Hansen is the one that puts him over, but you know, a lot of people whose opinion I trust. And then like, I'm, I'm watching matches between Hansen and Masawa myself recently. And like, I'm just like, yeah, Hansen and Masawa don't have a very smooth chemistry. Like they, they don't work very well together, uh, oddly enough, but like the, 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 the chemistry that Hansen has with Toshiaki Kawada and, and Ko- Kenna Kobashi is off the charts. Like, especially I think with Kobashi, because they are so similar in the way they wrestle and in like kind of the moves that are in their repertoire, like in, in particular, the, the lariats and, and the chops, like those are things that I think like Kobashi, it probably was inspired by people like Hansen. Uh, and I'm going to also say people like Ricky Choshu at, at the time as well, were probably like, okay, I want to be a wrestler like that. But you can you can see like like Kobashi patterns himself a lot probably on you know Hansen because he got beat up by Hansen so much as as a young boy. Yeah, and, and to, to help your point, Holy Demon Army Army started in about I want to say February or March of '93. So at this point, this singles match is the start of uh, Misawa and Kobashi starting to feud with Hansen and. Uh, I want to say it was Hanson either DiBiase or uh, or Spivey. I think it's either it, it might oh, be the miracle. Spivey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right. And so this is that that uh, push for that because I know in September they uh, uh, you know they they uh, the miracle violence connection wrestled Hanson and DiBiase, and that was when DiBiase kind of got put in to replace Spivey. I can't remember the particulars of that because my brain doesn't work that way anymore. But going to your point, the, the only the closest Baba would do is to have him have the announcer scream new hero after Misawa got the win. And that would that was like this this is kind of like you won the triple crown against uh it's like but you beat him. You, you, you get close enough. You get you get what you get. And and and, and I in my own head canon watching all Japan, uh, especially at that point, seven, eight years after it happened, especially seeing what happened that eventually became Noah. In my head, Misawa would wake up at night angry that those two had the chemistry with Anson that he did not, because it just seemed like a very Misawa thing to be upset about. Like, why, why would you two have it and not me? Like, I should have everything. Uh, but that that's probably a podcast for another time, because when I grew in my love for Misawa, as I got older, I realized that a lot of the decisions he made and some of the things he did weren't necessarily uh, where I was. And I even now in my old older age, I'm, I'm not that old. 
I, I shouldn't pretend like I'm this ancient creature, but I've, I've gotten more of an appreciation for Tawe and how he's become the other guy and never really had a chance to get his moment in the sun. But that, that, like I said, that's a podcast for another time. Definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, like, and you're you're on the right podcast. You want to spread the love of one Akira Tawe because uh, I, I have a lot of love for for Tawe myself. That that grew out of like, you know, like years of like just watching him again and thinking, you know what, he's awkward, he's he's gangly looking, but my God, he's awesome. He's such an amazing wrestler. But we're not talking about we're not going to talk about Akira Tawe too much today rich we're gonna we're gonna talk about stan hansen and, and kenny kobashi and uh just to give a little bit more background to this match i want to go through their their singles record so they have had let me count one two three four five uh five pl- and six 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 singles matches against each other completely the one we're going to talk about today uh the first time they meet is uh in september uh 1991 uh, september 4th to be exact at budokan hall and uh, stan hansen defeats Kenny Kobashi, uh, March 27, 1992, in a champion carnival match in the uh, Wakayama Prefectural Gymnasium. Uh, Stan Hansen defeats Kobashi. In July 8th of 1992, at the Aomori Prefectural Gymnasium, Hansen defeats Kobashi. And then uh, this match happens. And then after this match, April 10th, 1994, champion carnival at the Miyagi Sports Center in Sendai. Uh, at this point, Kobashi has ascended. Kobashi defeats Stan Hansen in a champion carnival match. And then finally, their last singles match against each other, September 5th, 1996 at the Nippon Budokan uh, Triple Crown title match. The champion at the time, Kento Kobashi, defeats uh, challenger Stan Hansen. Kind of a role reversal, though I don't think Hansen ever defended the Triple Crown against Kento Kobashi. So it's just kind of a, a great like kind of affirmation for Kobashi that he gets to defeat his one of his greatest rivals as not only in a champion carnival match but like two years later as the triple crown champion himself yeah and that's uh like I said I got a nice little stinger because uh one of my greatest achievements as a quote-unquote wrestling journalist is when I represented the torch at Starcast in Vegas before the first uh, double or nothing I got to interview Ken Kobashi and Stan Hansen about this match and it happened solely because they were at the booth. Nobody was going to them. I was angry that no one was going to Kenna Kobashi and Stan Hansen to take pictures and get autographs and talk to these pillars of wrestling history and instead getting photos with MJF. No offense to MJF. And so uh, first I talked to Kobashi through, I believe it was his daughter who was there as a translator. Uh, and then I went to talk to Hansen and then they both came over and started talking together and I could have died. See, like you, you say Starcast and then you say no one's going to get pictures with Hansen or Kobashi. And I'm like, okay, MJF, all right. Uh, who? Who else? Ken Chan? The Bucks? Please. I, I'd be like, <laughs> you people, you people can go, you people can go get your photographs with those goofballs. I'm gonna go talk to some legends, some real professional wrestlers over here. Thank you very yeah, much. They had a police escort and all this for staying Bucks, Cody, uh Ken Chan. You had nothing for Stan Hansen. He was reading a book and uh, uh, Kobashi was just a happy Japanese old man sitting there. And he was, he had the first thing he said was he was quite surprised. I wanted to talk to him. And I, I was like, sir, I'm surprised you're allowing me to talk to you because there should have been a vetting process. There should have been me paying money. Like, I don't care if journalists or not. There is no way in the world I should be able to walk up to Ken Kobashi when no one's talking to him 
and have more than three seconds of his time because this man survived cancer. He survived Kawada. He survived Miss Ella. He survived Stan Hansen, who told me the lariat in this match, as with all of the lariats in this match, because he's high, half blind, was just, I can't see him. I'm going to throw it as hard as I can. And he's like, maybe I should have laid off on that. <laughs> yeah, we should also mention to people that, you know, like they have a crazy history together. Because at one point in, in a particular match, Stan Hansen breaks Kenakabashi's arm. <laughs> yeah. And to the point where, like, you know, like, and this obviously would get Kobashi pretty hot at Hansen. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 Masawa, I think it was Masawa, had to prevent Kobashi from, like, pretty much trying to put Hansen in the hospital himself. Because, like, obviously, hey, you broke my fucking arm. I'm going to kill you now. Like, that's understandable being that hot at someone. Um, but like that, the fact that like his, his, his friends had to, you know, keep him from doing it to, to Stan Hansen, but you know, I would imagine water under the bridge and they are very happy to see one another when you, when you got to talk to them both. Yeah. And, uh, and this was the, the best part about it was that Hansen didn't realize that Kabashi was there, which again, Starcast with the F like, and so he was talking about, it. he was one of his favorite opponents. So I was like, and I basically became the talk show host. Like, well, I don't know if you know this, but he's literally right behind you. And he's like, what? And then off he popped. And, you know, he shuffle walked his way over and I directed him. And it was just so frustrating to me that these guys didn't realize they were so close to each other. It was like, oh, oh, right, we can get back to this match. But at the end of the day, if anyone ever brings Kenikabashi to your conference or your convention or whatever it is and you spend more time with uh uh the two little boys who love jesus no offense i love jesus too i'm i'm i i I can't trust you can't trust you i can't trust any any wrestling promoter organize convention organizer that doesn't put these two guys together in like a panel what 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 was what was a panel that day like fucking Fucking Cody Rose talking about how he feeds his fucking dog. I don't know. Uh, you know, some shit like that. Muto. It was Muto. Oh. With uh, Sonny Ono. Oh, oh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> okay. You say Muto. Okay. I'll, I'll get, I'll, okay. That's okay. Sonny Ono, con man. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Anyways, Rich, let, let's get to this match. Ken, yeah. Kenikabashi versus Stan Hansen, July 29th, 1993. This happens at Budokan Hall. Uh, one of my favorite venues to ever have seen professional wrestling in. Uh, this is part of the All Japan Summer Action Series from 1993. This is day 22 of that tour. Um, and I'm going to go through the card and, um, you know, and then we'll get into the match. So opening match was Takao Mori versus Satoru Asako. Uh, Joel Deaton, Ryu Kaku Izumita, and Yoshinari Ogawa taking on Mighty Inoue, Mitsuo Momota, and Rusher Kimura. That's probably the comedy match on this card. Uh, Pete Roberts, a very underrated British wrestler, and Richard Slinger, the cousin of Terry Gordy, taking on the Youngbloods, Chris and Mark Youngblood. Uh, Giant Baba, Kurt Bayer, and the Destroyer versus Haruka Aigen, Masanobu Fuchi, and Masao Inoue. I would assume Kurt Bayer is related to destroyer dick bear maybe his son i think so i remember this one because this is one of those masafuchi appreciation uh moments where anytime he and bob are in a ring together it's just gonna be fun 
Uh, match number five, tag match, Jun Akiyama and Siyoshi Kikuchi taking on the British bruisers of Dynamite Kid and Johnny Smith. Uh, number six, Steve Williams and Terry Gordy in the Miracle Violence Connection taking on the team of Johnny Ace and Kendall Windham, the brothers of Road Warrior Animal and Barry Windham. What a tag team that might, must have been. Uh, number, match seven, Akira Tale taking on Big, Big Bubba, Bubba. Big Bubba Rogers. You know, uh I don't know if you've seen some of the matches where uh, as boss man in his boss man gear, mm-hmm. like he comes to all Japan and my God, I was like, Baba, just throw whatever, throw handsome money at this man. Try to get him to stay in all Japan and let him wear. And God, Vince probably doesn't watch all Japan. So he's not going to know. Let him wear the, 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 the big boss man uniform. I mean, that, those matches were, again, reminders as I watched more and it was less of the best of matches because obviously, I believe I remember correctly, this was on uh, the five-star matches in 1993 tape I got uh, and then dubbed for all of my wrestling friends. Like my one investment while I was in college was a double-decker VCR so that I could dub these and then basically split the, the order cost with my friends and we would have our own separate collections of whatever we bought as a group. So we had a little like enclave of uh, our, our little collective, if you will. I'm sure Vince will sue me for saying collective as well. So, uh, but yeah, Big Bubba was crazy then. Yeah, you were right. Uh, uh, Kurt Beyer is the destroyer's son. He was, he actually went, went with his dad to Japan and got trained by uh, uh, Kobashi of all people, which ties into our semi main. So that's, that's pretty wild. And and uh, yeah, here we go. Kenneko, that match eight is Kenneko Bashi versus uh, Stan Hansen, and uh, but that's not the main event. Rich, the main event is a triple crown title match. It's Misahara Masawa, the triple crown champion, taking on Toshiaki Kawada. And you know, like I'm just looking at the this this information is coming from our good friends over at Cage Match, and I'm looking at the match ratings for this match is nine point four one, the Kobashi Hansen match mm-hmm. versus the. Masawa Kawada match was which is eight point two nine, and what did what did Dave give this? Gabe gave the Kobashi six stars, I think. No, it's oh no, the Kawada five. match. The Kawada, the Kawada one, two, Masawa. Three. Masawa Kawada is only uh four and four and a quarter, while he what? gave while he gave uh, Kobashi Hansen five full stars, which in in twenty twenty one means it's a three and a half star match. <laughs> it's a Dave scale, right? So. <laughs> I love Dave, but you know, like, come on, like you break your own scale. Like I can make fun of you. You know, that's, that's, you just open yourself to be making fun of with as far as your match ratings go. No, you're right. You're right. It was, Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking of the superpower, uh, the superpower series night 16 in 94. That was the six star match, which people, I, I, it's funny because he did it for Kinchon. But then people forgot he had done it before, but because they, it wasn't on the internet and stuff and you could pay attention and keep track of him and call him out on it. it you know, I'm sure maybe three people wrote him back then that said, how dare you, sir? How dare you change this number? I, uh, uh, I will go back in the Observer archives and do some research stuff. And I, like, I, I do like to go to the, the letters, the fan, fan letters. And uh-huh. like, yeah, I, it's, I don't think you would have anyone who have the temerity to question dave on in the letters pages of, of his own newsletter as opposed to like on, on twitter which you see a lot of but you know that, is, that is what it is you know that, that's one of those things honestly and it's some of my I, some of the folks i follow do it and i shake my head because listen at the end of the day and that's what i that's why i love doing stuff on other platforms like here with the post 
At the end of the day, people listen what they listen to. They watch what they watch. They read what they read. You don't have to treat any of us. Like if you don't, if you think this match sucks at the end, first of all, I'm not going to trust you. Second of all, that's fine. It's an opinion. I say it's five stars and you say it's five and a quarter. God bless. But don't turn it into, well, this guy obviously has it in. It's like, come on, man, you're wasting your energy. There's other things you could tweet about that are far more important than whether Dave Meltzer gave six stars to this as opposed to Kenny's love letter to, uh, you know, I don't even know anymore. Uh, some, some anime, some, yeah. some, some fucking video game he played like seven, seven hours straight. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> let's, let's talk. I want to turn this into, I should come onto your show and just like tell you all about my love for, for the elite and stuff like that. But anyway, Oh my God, people would lose their mind. They're like, what happened to the WH? Like, what, what is, what's going on? It's like, I, I don't know. He just came on the torch. Imagine like he loves the elite. That's, a, that's what happened. That's right. That, that, that's what happened in some alternate reality, like, <laughs> of, of like the, the uh, reverse WH. You know, like there's the reverse yeah. flash. There's the reverse WH out there in some multiverse where, where I'm, I'm a big fan of like, I have a poster of the Young Bucks in my bedroom. That would never oh, happen in this reality. So, anyways, uh, let's talk about this match. Like right off the bat, right? So right off the bat, Rich, before the match even starts, like the streamers are being thrown in and they're being cleared by the young boys, the ring attendants outside. And one guy sticks his head to where you know, on the side of the ring that Stan Hansen is on, and Stan Hansen just starts stomping away at this poor guy's head. And and this really pisses off Kobashi. So like I can't really tell who it is. Like. And but my guess and my in my head canon is that he's stopping away at Kobashi's best friend and tag team partner, Siyoshi Kikuchi. And that's like, oh, it's on now. Hansen, you're gonna you fucked up my friend. I'm gonna fuck you up now. Yeah, that, it, it's wild to see it because first he hits some fans and then he beats the crap. If it's I'm gonna go with your head canon. If it's Kikuchi, then it's just really it's like you mother like just and that goes into the match, right? Because the majority of this match, if 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 you haven't seen this yet, it's a mixture of hardcore, not in the stupid I'm bleeding, I'm bleeding uh, method, but in terms of like, these guys are having a freaking fight. They're punching, you know, it's it, I think of Peter versus Chicken from Family Guy, where like they'll wrestle, 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 fall out of the ring, punch each other in the face, headbutt, slam, kick, you know, kick in the throat these guys just go at it and it's built out of animus this isn't we're going to show you a great match love us this is i want to kill you and that was the first thing like i said my introduction to all japan was these two guys saying i'm gonna kill you well i i think for hansen like his attitude is very much uh, this is like you know just oh, it's another match against kobashi okay yeah. right for him it's business usual but then he attacks kikuchi on the outside and then kobashi is like he just runs over. He boots Hansen in the face. He chops him to the mat and then starts laying the boots into him. And like Hansen, and this is like so unprecedented. Hansen rolls out of the ring. He's running away from Kobashi because he he is afraid of this man. He's afraid of this young boy that he he used to beat the shit out of on a regular basis for like five years straight. So, you know, Kobashi's not going to let him escape. He's still pissed off. So he follows him out. He peppers Hansen with these rapid slaps and then gives him a DDT to the floor. And like, this is in the, you know, Rich, this is like not even the first three minutes have passed in this match. And we've gotten all this. And it's all like offense against Hansen from Kobashi. It's awesome. Yeah. It, it, you, you see the look on his face. It's, 
it's a mixture of not even fear, it's surprise. Like you said, this is a dude he's been thrown in a locker for a while now. And so having him, every time Hanson tries to fight back, Kobashi is just hitting him probably like 20% harder than he's hit him. And it just keeps building. And the fans feel it. Like by the time he gets him in that face lock, the fans are like, Kobashi, Kobashi. They, they are ready for this dude to just keep wrecking this guy. And every time Hanson, being a smart wrestler, rolls out of the ring and he's building it up. People are so fired up for Kobashi. And uh, uh, I, I would love to hear about uh, your, your thoughts on when he hit that baseball slide and then he goes back to the headlock. It's like, <laughs> this is basic stuff, but it means so much. I mean, we'll, we'll get to the headlock. I, I have a lot of thoughts about like the use of the headlock and the, like the, he does uses a, he kind of uses Masao's face lock. He uses a rear chin lock, mm-hmm. he uses a headlock. We'll, we'll get into these. Cause like it, it all fills into like the story of this match, which is just an amazing story. It, when you really take a look at it. So like, we're still on the outside and like Hanson, you know, he survives the DDT. Uh, he, he fires back with slaps of his own to Kobashi, but you know, Kobashi ain't taking any of Hanson's shit at this on this day and just lays into him with some stiff chops to the chest and then just fires a short range lariat like what a, what this is adding insult to injury because you're using the man's own move against him and he just knocks Hanson down this is this is like a stiff like you can hear like bone to bone flesh to flesh being being hit here like when when he hits him with this lariat you know Hanson tries to mount a comeback and he fights his way off his back. But, you know, Kobashi being on top of him is just too much for him. And Kobashi keeps laying in the stiff shots to Hansen. Basically, you know, this it's a role reversal, Rich. It's like this is what Hansen would be doing to some young boy, you know, with Kobashi in the Hansen role. Yeah, and, and I love the fact that, you know, in that first exchange outside, we didn't even talk about the shoulder block. Kobashi was lit. Dude was just like, I'm 260 some odd pounds. I'm just going to throw it all at you, bro. And when they're back in the ring, uh, he hit the lariat. He does the leg drop where I was like, whoa, this dude's just like, <laughs> Kobashi's just going for it, isn't he? And and, and constantly and it, when, when they're outside, he's constantly, instead of doing like you see it a lot in New Japan, the Irish whip, he's doing more of that crash into the, the barricade or into the, 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 the fencing. And it's just... It's so visceral the way that he is going at Hanson and Hanson. We're not even at the five minute mark and Hanson, God bless him because I would have been blown up at this point because this big man is just coming at me from everywhere, just arms and legs, throwing everything. And Hanson's keeping up. Oh, I mean, Hanson's uh, like uh, um, uh, cardio yeah. off the charts. Like he had to keep up with all these dudes in the nineties. And he's like, he's like maybe hitting like, I don't know if he's hit 40 yet, but like, he's not a spring chicken anymore. And he's a big, big man. Like we're talking Vader big, you know, mm-hmm. but his cardio, like, I, I think being trained by the funks and working like Japan as much as he did. And then like working, you know, territories, like, you know, I think it was like in Georgia for, for Ole Anderson and things like that was like pretty much like, you know, contributed to the fact that he's probably got really good cardio. Um, but yeah, he's, you know, like Hanson's trying to survive Kobashi. He goes for headbutts. Kobashi fires back with a stiff lariat and, and, and the leg drop. And he goes for a two count that the crowd really buys into. And like, like we said before, this is like, you know, within the three to five minute range, 
of the, of this match. We're we're not even we're not even close to the even the middle of it. And and this crowd is so you know hot for this. I think you know the thing we'll 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 see a lot is that you know at some point like you'll see the them going for he- covers on each other, trying to trying to finish the match. Like for Kobashi, it's because I think he he knows like my God, my first singles win over Stan Hansen is so palpable. It's so close. So he goes for them for, for Hansen. He just wants to survive. And I'll get to the, to that idea, but his, his, his reasoning for going for covers as much as he does in this match that we'll get to is, is not because he wants to punish or humiliate or just to beat Kobashi at in this match. He wants to survive Kobashi because Kobashi is going to destroy him. And he knows it. If he doesn't like, you know, try to finish the match so um from here kobashi shifts gear by laying in a face lock and you know i i just listened to uh, a really great uh podcast from my good friend jamesy over at the we don't know um wrestling podcast network he does a show called the boots and trunk podcast and he and he didn't hold episode just time with the the headlock and i just was thinking about him when i was looking at you know kobashi putting in these uh, transition moves these aren't rest holds rich these are these are transition moves yeah and, and just to help you for the age, 44 years old at the time of this match. Yeah, That's, 44. Yeah, 44. He was born in 1949. And he's working, like, he's worked this style for, like, since the 80s. And, like, he's in there with guys younger than him who are the best workers on the planet right now and, like, whose cardio is off the charts. And he's keeping up with them. It's, it's an amazing testament to, like, how tough, like, Stan Hansen was, like, as, as an athlete. Yeah. I mean, and, and when you talk about the idea of surviving this match, it's clear in this portion that we're talking about, Hansen is just, he's shell-shocked. He did not expect, the fight he thought he was showing up for is not the fight he got. I, I can believe that as a shoot as well. Like, maybe he... He, he was told the story of the match from like Baba. Like he was told like, this is what we're going to do. But I, I, maybe he wasn't expecting the intensity that he got from Kobashi. Cause he, he genuinely looks shocked. Yeah. Like, and I, oh, I can imagine Kobashi getting pulled to the side by Baba. He's like, all right, let, let's do it. Let's it's time to put it into action. Let's see what you got kid. Go yeah. Laid into him. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of you back <laughs> in the back. Okay. Um, one thing that I liked about, the face lock here is that, you know, Kobashi is constantly, you know, changing his position to, to match like what Hansen is doing. And Hansen is constantly trying to get out of this match. He's trying to get out of it. And like Kobashi is like moving along with him. So it's not, it's not a rest hold. It's not something that like is, is meant to give a rest to these guys. Cause none of them are, neither of them are resting. And the fans like are, are well into like the, the, the story of like the psychology of what is happening here. And you gotta, you gotta keep in mind, Kobashi's got these massive arms. Like I cannot imagine wanting to stay inside a, a, a legit, squeezing headlock from Kenna Kobashi with the, with the kind of arms that he has. No, not at all. And looking at what this match was, like you said, this early, uh, not even third, this early three to five minute window of the match. He, they, like you said, this isn't a rest hold. It's constant movement. And again, that goes to the cardio because I'm sure some of our listeners are thinking about maybe some other matches where you'll see a face lock or a or chin lock or a reverse chin lock. And you just assume, Hey, these guys are catching their breath. No, they're, they're, they're moving. Even when uh, 
Hanson dips out of the ring. It isn't the traditional, I'm a pissed off heel, kicking the barricade, grabbing it, kind of catching your breath. No, as soon as he's outside of the ring, Kabashi's like a shark in this match. He will continue to keep coming because he knows the second, if he has a second to lay off, he's afraid that the kind of like, this, this is kind of uh, the adrenaline more than him finally reaching that level. And when, when, when Hanson can kind of come back, there might be some problems. Right. And like Hanson tries to escape the, the you know, the face lock, the head side headlock. He tries to escape by hitting a side suplex and, you know, Kobashi to his credit, not only hangs on to the hold, Rich, but he starts to crank it on Hanson cranks. He starts cranking, you know, Hanson said just to tell him, Hey, don't fuck with me, boy. <laughs> Yeah, and you could feel it. You could, like everything Hansen does when he's starting his comebacks or anytime he gets offense in, he is basically flipping the bird at this punk. And he, he just like whippersnapper. Like he would use it in, in the angriest way possible. And, and I mean, like I made this point, but it's really amazing to see this role reversal of, of Hansen being the one who's constantly fighting from behind, trying to mount a comeback. And, and Kobashi is dominating him and just cuts off his comebacks. And it's, it's, it's just a shock to see Stan Hansen as the the you know the 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 fighting from underneath babyface really in this match. Yeah, he it's definitely Freaky Friday for him. He is no way ready for the hurricane that is kind of Kabashi coming at him, and it, it makes me think about how uh, in Hansen's career, in addition to being the gatekeeper, because later in life he would leave that role and then Vader would enter it. And then even follow and continue in that role in Noah in some respects. But as much as I love Vader, Hansen's delivery of this, especially in this match, he could do it from underneath in a way I thought Vader couldn't with a Kabashi. Vader had to protect his own image in a lot of ways, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like as this monster, like and like the, the image that he had with his gear and stuff like that, I think like where he he it's not believable if he if he did this kind of a match where he's fighting from underneath like i never like that's the thing the failure of his run in the wbf because he had to do that to like like people like sean michaels where it's like no he should be killing sean michaels and then sean michaels should be mounting a miraculous comeback against him but of course you know sean michaels being sean michaels back in that era that was never going to happen but uh anyways uh <laughs> there's a point where, where Stan Hansen runs back into the ring to escape Kobashi um, and he hits the ropes and you think, okay, this is where he's going to turn the tide. He's going to hit a lariat or something, a shoulder tackle. And, and, but you know what? Kobashi, he, he knows Stan Hansen too well. He catches him with this big, massive backdrop that says, you know, Hansen <laughs> into the air onto his back. And I guess it, he's, he's a big man. He's what, 280, you think? 290. Yeah. And he's just crashing with all his weight onto that hard mat. And, you know, Kobashi, Kobashi goes back to the face lock or, or it looks like more like a rear chin lock at this point. And I just love the strategy belt here of Hansen asserting like of Kobashi asserting his control over Hansen and the match and the match itself and trying to break Hansen's spear because that's what these like these like locks, these headlocks, these uh, these chin locks, these face locks are doing. It's like he's like, I'm grinding you down. I'm just going to grind you down. I'm going to not only break your face, but I'm going to break your soul in this match. Yeah, and I think, again, we were talking earlier about the Ring of Honor and some of that stuff. I think that's what they miss. And so when you're watching this match and you see him, like the way that he transitions from that backdrop into the uh, the, the the face lock, you can see Hansen screaming as he looks at the ref and he's got the right hand up from the mat and he's just, ah! 
<laughs> you could see that this man is just he is not in a good place. And so when you when you when you see him finally get to his feet, and like you said, he he kind of gets those uh, 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 pockets where you think he's going to get his traditional offense in, and you see the grim determination on the face of Kobashi. He feels like he's finally breaking because with each hit, like even with the chops, with each chop, you can see the fighting spirit leaving Stan Hansen's body, and you can't like. I wish uh, wrestling wrestlers who are, who, are, who are as marks for themselves as they are the, the the company look at a match like this and look at Hanson and how Hanson with just the selling of his face makes this universal because you can see he's an older dude that this young guy is catching up on him and that's universal right you could be playing back I could be playing basketball with my son or hockey with him or even wrestling and that first time he shoots a half and I'm getting thrown to the ground and I'm like oh crap now I gotta work and it's just scrambling because now you feel that the pressure, the shoe's on the other foot. Now the rabbit's got a gun. And that's really what Kabashi's doing in this first, like, eight minutes. Yeah, and, and you know, at this point, Hanson's he's, he's sitting in the corner. He's on the floor. He's in the corner. And he looks completely helpless. And this is the turn of the tide of the match, Rich, because Kobashi charges into the corner to finish him off and runs face first into Hansen's boot. And this is the break that Stan Hansen needs. So from because of this boot to, you know, that that he just, you know, Kobashi basically torpedoes himself into Hansen's boot and <laughs> knocks himself out, basically. He rolls out of the ring to the floor, you know, but Hansen, being the smart man, being the wily veteran that he is, he senses this is his time. I need to follow up on this. He goes out, he goes out to the apron. He does a diving body press from the apron to Keta Kobashi, who's lying on the floor of Budokan Hall. Unbelievable. And then he picks up Keta Kobashi, and then he power bombs Keta Kobashi onto the fucking floor of Budokan Hall. And you can hear the sickening thud as Kobashi's body hits the floor. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's two moments in this match. The kick to the face. Because the sell of it is Kabashi staggering down and they just lay next to each other like it's a buddy cop movie. And they're just half dead. And then the power bomb, you could hear the screams and the shrieks from the crowd. And Kabashi, I, I refuse to say it's a sell. I think that man really did get knocked into Valhalla. Like, he looks like he died and came back. Like, what, like, what in God's name did I agree to? He looks half drunk as he's holding on to the, the barricade. And he's like, oh, God. Oh God. And then the power bomb comes and even the young boys are getting out of the way. And it's just, there's a person in the front row that you, you see them kind of lurch away and the camera zooms in and Kabashi's just dead. He's trying to get up. And, and one of the things I always enjoyed this match started it for me with Kabashi. And part of it was the way he was getting kicked in the face. And I think it was shoot but he would always look like Rocky in the middle of Rocky's two through four in the middle rounds at this point in matches, like his eyes would start getting puffy. He'd start breathing a little bit more labored. He'd start peeing on jelly legs. And I'm like, well, that's partly good, you know, selling and partly my man's probably halfway to, Oh God, the elbow to the back of the neck, uh, halfway to another plant. I, it's, it's it's a thing that you look at like you know wrestling from this era in japan like not just in all japan but also new japan as well maybe you know even like fmw and like some of the you know like junior heavyweight promotions like like michinoku pro is like you know a lot of this isn't selling 
a lot of this actually does genuinely hurt and like especially roller road style like it's 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 tough like the reason why like a lot of these dudes are are like completely fucked physically is because this shit was not a work this this is like a semi shoot to the point where like they agree to each other like let's hit each other as hard as possible and just like make it as real as we can without like killing another one another but hey that that is like you know like we look back and we think should i feel guilty about enjoying this and i'm like i i i don't feel guilty about enjoying it because like no one actually died from any of these matches that I'm that I'm going to be talking about, so there you go. Um, you know what, Henson? You know he follows that up with the the, the power bomb to the floor edge. He, he follows up with an elbow drop from the apron to Kobashi's back, just just as a kind of like exclamation mark. And from there, he goes for the cover. There's a one and a two, but oh, Kobashi has survived a power bomb to the floor, an elbow drop from the apron to to the floor, and and he's still alive in this match, Rich. As he's doing it, he it, I I I don't count this as a kick out. Wh, honestly, okay. I counted I counted as a spasm because the way he like he kicks out and then afterward his muscles still are like spasming on the ground as Kobashi adjusts his elbow pad and he, uh, Kobashi I'm sorry uh, Hanson adjusts his elbow pad and Hanson has the look of a man that realizes I'm about to mess somebody up like he, he's he's like this is more like it. He's, if he had a tie on, but of course he wouldn't. If anything, he'd have a bolo tie where he'd have like the, the Texas steer on it. He slowly adjusts like, now we're back in the Hanson land and population U. And Kobashi's lying on the ground. And I don't, I don't know if he's being, you know, if something is like, if I could put the Simba meme on top of him of like, get up, dad, get up. Because he looks like he's dead. I mean, at this point, you know, like, you know, Hansen just starts to press his advantage on Kobashi. He he hits him with tons of kicks and elbows. But you know, the going back to what I said before, he's constantly going for covers on mm-hmm. Kobashi because he's not interested in hurting Kobashi or punishing him for like the, like what he put him through earlier in the match. He he wants to survive Kobashi. He wants to finish this match and just go to the back and and, and get some of the young boys to take off his gear for him and, and towel down his body because that's what young boys did back then, you know, made still do to this day in 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 2021 and and then go to probably, you know, go to go to a hot spring and just like let the, you know, curative effects of of, you know, of an onsen like do their magic on his body, I'm sure, but like he's he's not getting it. Not at this point, you know. Kobashi uh, mounts to come back with chops, slaps, and gives a running boot that knocks Hansen down. Hansen goes, dodges a top rope missile drop kick, and immediately covers Kobashi. Doesn't try to hit him with a move. He covers Kobashi, but only gets a two. He goes for his own flying body press and goes for a cover, and only gets a two. Like, and this crowd is going nuts because, like, they're thinking this match could end at any time, but neither man is staying down for the three. You know, it's 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 incredible. And, you know, the thing with the, this sequence is that there's this massive Kobashi call ring out through Budokan Hall. Yeah, and, and you can see this is where the cardio comes in with Hansen because as he's trying to mount this assault and Kobashi, God bless him, is constantly trying to fight and fight and fight and fight. You see him... It, it, I, I don't know how to put this in a, a, a nice way. Like he's clearly tired, 
but as an excellent worker, he's found a way in between his moves to transition breathing into the next offensive move. It isn't just, I'm going to be a, a, a layabout and sit in a corner. It's, I'm going to take a deep breath and then I'm going to roll a, a knee into your head. I'm going to take another deep breath and I'm kicking you in the back of the head. I'm moving out of the way of the drop kick. And I'm going to jump on you and try to catch a breath while I'm pinning you. It's very economical. Oh, I mean, the thing with Hansen is that you know, he's worked Japan so much. He's worked, you know, all Japan for so long that I think he's developed the rhythm of working like, you know, all Japan style, like where you're saying, and I, I totally agree with you. Like, like he's found like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to breathe. I'm going to hit you with something. I'm going to breathe again. Like totally like, and that's like, they all have to learn how to do this kind of things to, to be able to work these, the, the big matches, you know, in Baba's promotion, because that's what Baba expected. And, and Baba was the boss and no one wanted to disappoint the boss because he was a good from all accounts he was a great boss to work for like you have various people from like and and a wide ranging of people from dick bear to to bruno san martino to stan hansen to bruiser brody to steve williams who all loved working for giant bob because from all accounts they loved like his philosophy of wrestling and he was a good boss to them so like for for Hanson like he's in this position where at you know in his mid-40s where he's like the gatekeeper and he's responsible for kind of like shepherding you know the the four pillars to becoming the four pillars that he takes that role seriously and like he's not gonna like be a layabout in the ring he's he's gonna do his best to like make sure that when these guys beat him that it means something and, and that is again sign of an excellent professional and because of the non-wasted movement, when there are lulls, what little lulls there are, because this is a sprint, there's like a 24-minute, 25-minute sprint, it's natural. Like when he had him in the corner and he's setting him up for the, the, chop, the chops, this plural, it's Hanson gets a chance to breathe and then you're about to eat like 17 chops. Yeah, this is the one of you know one of my favorite Kobashi you know spots is he does do the machine gun chops to Hansen in the corner, and you know from here Hansen and Kobashi just trade blows and advantages for the next couple of minutes before Kobashi just blasts Hansen with another stiff lariat. My God, and you know what Hansen hasn't hit a single lariat at all in this match, and like Kobashi hit him with a with a ton of them. You know, to be fair, it's also because when Hansen hits you with the, any kind of a lariat, it's probably the finish of the match. Um, you know, he does go for a lariat. Kobashi ducks the, the lariat attempt from Hansen. He slaps on a sleeper, you know, but Hansen escapes that. He slaps on the sleeper to a big pop, and like again to, to Hansen, and just another Kobashi call for a sleeper hold, for God's sakes. He Kobashi goes for a springboard bulldog, but you know, Hansen wisely turns it into a backdrop suplex. You know, Hansen signals that he's gonna, you know, he does the signal, he he pulls on the, the elbow pad, he's signaling for the western layer, his finisher, you know. But Kobashi ducks that. He hits a succession of lead drops to the back of Hansen's head and neck, including a top rope, what I would call a top rope Alabama jam, a la Bobby Eaton, <laughs> to the back of Hansen's head. And I think this is it. He's killed him. One, two. Hansen kicks out. Holy shit. This match has just gone to another level, Rich. Yeah. And, you know, as you get to that point, you're wondering, well, I mean, this guy's dead, right? Like, this is it, right? Nope. Not enough. And Hanson's cell of the Alabama jam, again, just like Kobashi's cell of the powerbomb. And again, 
you know, parenthetical, probably not a cell, the way his body is quivering as he rolls him over and he uses Kabashi's hand again, being a Stan Hansen trooper and a Kabashi appreciator. I have to say probably this match should have ended with the press from the, the leg drop because Hansen didn't kick out. He grabbed Kobashi by his hair and pulled him a millimeter off his chest because at this point, big man is tired. Uh, but you know what? It's realistic. Yes. It's real. So it's like, it's awesome. It doesn't have to kick out. He doesn't have to do like, you know, some contrived like kick out sequence that you're going to find in like modern new Japan or, or 2000s ring of honor or like any indie match in the United States from the last 20 years. It's like, this is like, this would make sense. Okay. Like you're right, Rich. He's tired. So he just grabs him by the hand. Cause this is like, you know what, if I'm Hanson, that's what I would do to try to prevent myself from getting from, from eating the loss in this match. <laughs> yeah. And it's, 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 it's amazing to me because Hanson, there's only been little moments outside of the young boy beatdown where he's been in full like gaijin jerk mode. And it was the first pin where uh, Kabashi kicked out and he flicks the ref's ear. And that that's the most like, like you jerk. And he's like, no, that was three. He's like, no, it was two and a half. Like not even close. He thought he could intimidate the ref into doing it. So I feel like that kind of came back to haunt him later as you know, this this got into uh, extreme punch phase head kick mode where the ref probably could have come in and broken it up. But he was like, you know what? Nah, let him suffer. I, I should mention that the referee of this match is the legendary Joe Higuchi. And, and no one was going to, like, intimidate Joe Higuchi in, in, inside that ring or backstage either. Do you know the famous story I was reading? In, I was reading Hanson's book. There's a famous story that he tells in there where, where like, you know, Harley Race was touring as the NWA champion for, for, for all Japan mm-hmm. with Baba. And like, you know, Harley race had a good relationship with Baba, but like there's one morning where, where Harley race, like he was, he was holding up the bus. Cause like they said, Joe Higuchi went up to him and said, Harley get on the bus. We got to go to the next town. And Harley's like, no, I haven't had breakfast yet. I'm going to finish this breakfast. He's like, okay. So he finished his breakfast and he never came back for another tour for all Japan. <laughs> wow. So one thing you don't do is you don't cross Joe Higuchi because he's got the full support of Giant Baba and like you don't hold up the bus to go to the next town when you work for a Japanese company, even if you're Harley Race. So you get on the bus, you, you keep your mouth shut and you acknowledge that a lot of the talent are going to pretend they don't know English and call it a day. Yep, basically. So, you know, that's that's in Hanson's book. Great book, by the way. Um, from back to the match, Kobashi hits his signature moonsault and you think, okay, this is the end of the match, Rich. Nope. He kicks out of the moonsault. <laughs> Incredible. But he's Hanson. This is 1993 Kobashi, and, and it's still Hanson. So, yeah, he gets to kick out of the, the moonsault that pretty much would finish off any other person in, in all Japan. And the crowd heat, unbelievable. It's off the charts, Rich. Like, I, I can imagine myself being in, in Budokan right now, like up in the, the, the upper decks, and just feeling the heat of the crowd the excitement of the crowd. And, and, and I, I get sucked into watching it on this grainy version on YouTube. Yeah, and it's funny because when he goes for the moonsault, I always love to see the crowd and you see these women who are in the corner uh, of that part of the, the, the uh, Budokan and they are ecstatic that he is about to float majestically into the air and they get to see it front row. It is magical watching it. And now, of course, like you said, there's a price to be paid with a lot of the Royal Road. In the case of Kabashi, his beloved knees 
those every time he lands those moon salts, especially as we start in this process, it's me like, well, that that probably didn't that probably didn't work out for him as much as he thought it would. And uh, this next portion of the match actually is where I got to be wrestling hipster and say, oh, Terry Bollea, you're not you're not as cool anymore because Stan Hansen's cooler because he does this better. Oh, you're talking about like, so Hansen fights back after this moonsault. He fights back with elbows and he hits this amazing looking insecurity to Kabashi's head. And yes, he doesn't do it better than uh, Hulk Hogan, uh, who is but a pretender to the throne of Top Gaijin to ever work Japan of Stan Hansen. Yeah, it's it's not even like I, I again, this is the portion of the match for the next five minutes or so where I realized, like, by nature, most of my friends know I'm a very emotive person when, when I'm watching wrestling matches, especially for the first time, especially when we were doing this in college, because it's like two o'clock in the morning and our RAs yelling to keep it quiet. But I think I got a noise violation for the noises I was making, just seeing this man like, oh, my God. And it's like, shh, just watch the match. And I'm like, no, I can't. I will not be tamed. There's, there's a point where, you know, Hansen just desperately grabs Kobashi's foot to prevent him from launching any more assaults to, to him. So, like, if, you know, you think, oh, he's going to go for another moonsault. I got to grab his foot. He's going to do more leg drops to me. I got to grab his foot. It's just brilliant to see. Uh, Kobashi goes for a series of roll-ups on Hansen because now he now wants to end the match because he can smell that ever-elusive win is so, so close. He, he wants to just pin Hansen at this point. So he's not going for big moves. He's just, like, rolling him up, you know, cradles, uh, small packages, like, you know, like schoolboys, everything that he can think of. He just wants to get that win. But, you know, Kobashi, Hansen just kicks out of everything. He Kobashi hits another stiff leg, and there's another two count. You know, Kobashi slams Hansen to the mat as a prelude to his moonsault. And this is like anyone who's ever watched a Kenny Kobashi match that involves a moonsault knows what's coming next. So he he slams him. He does the movement with his arm. Yeah, he's going to walk over his his opponent's body, climb that that the, those ropes to hit the moonsault. But you know what? You know who's also aware of this, Rich? Stan Hansen. He's aware that he's that Kobashi is going to go for his definitive finisher here. So as soon as Kobashi steps over him and starts climbing the ropes, Hansen, you know, just ekes out that last bit of adrenaline. He gets up to, and he, he goes up to stop the moonsault from happening. So the way he does this, he goes, he hits, he hits some shots to the back, headbutts to the head, and then he, and then he realizes this is not going to work. I have to change my angle of attack. He goes, Stan Hansen goes to the outside, to the apron, to, to get this better angle. And Kobashi at first, you know, realizes this. He catches him by the hair. And he rams Stan Hansen's head into his own knee. And you got to think Stan Hansen is like hating life at this point, you know, in, in this match. But you know what? Hansen fires back with these chops. But Kobashi answers back with elbows to his face. But it doesn't matter because Hansen headbutts Kobashi here. And then he fucking knocks Kobashi into another fucking galaxy with a Western <laughs> lariat that no, that knocks Kobashi off the prop rope and elicits a scream of terror from the, the lead commentator of this match from myself and apparently you when yes. you're back in college. Absolutely. This is where I just went. I made the same noise the announcer did to the point where my friends thought I, I had uh, uh, turned the volume up because it was just like, ah! Like I, 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 it was, and we had just as a quick side note to this. At the time I was getting these tapes, there was a local money mark here in Pittsburgh when I was in college that was hiring me 
to uh, help set up like a computer, a, a website for him for autograph signings and stuff. So he started bringing in ECW guys. So he brought in Nova and Nova around the time I bought this tape uh, from ECW introduced me to the world of fire pro. So this was, in my opinion, the first time I saw a real world critical in a wrestling match. Like he yeah. just died. He just fell yeah. off the top rope and he was gone. He was, he, he was blasted off, off the, to, off, off the top rope out of Budokan Hall. And just, you know, he went to another galaxy Then he landed back on the mat and, you know, he rolls, Henson rolls an unconscious Kobashi over. And I think he's unconscious for the one, two, three. So not, not only did Henson, Henson survive Kenda Kobashi's assault for near 20 minutes of this match, but he it was able to outlast him and win the match. And he, and he earned, he earned that win, you know, Rich, like fucking mm-hmm. hell. Like he went through a lot to get that win. And it was an earned win. And I just thought this, this sequence, this is an amazing and dramatic finishing sequence. And this is one of the best finishes I've ever seen in my entire life of watching wrestling. And, you know, ha- you know, Hanson is happy to get the win. But you know he know he knows that he has survived, you know, with one of the toughest men he's ever faced in the ring. I think he's he's really proud of Kobashi, and I got to think he probably went back in the back. He, he he congratulated him and just said thank you for that amazing match, you know. And he's such a legend, even though he's kind of like they wanted to see Kobashi beat him. He's such a legend that when he does his 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 victory cry, the crowd just joins him because he's Stan Hansen. He means a lot to this All Japan crowd. Yeah, when he does it, and they go, Boo! and I love the post-match where they show the zoom-in features of, and Kenneth Kabashi was sent back to his home planet. And, you know, the, 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 uh, the bruises on his face, after, after the pinfall, immediately after the pinfall, the lone streamer that got thrown in because that one fan in row four was just like, yeah, we did it, Boo! And it's like, everybody else is just like, we just watched a man die. Can someone <laughs> call his next of kin? No, no, it's, no, it's great. It's such a great visual. Rich, that, 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 that lone streamer was meant to represent the lone tear from that fan as he's, as his, <laughs> as his, as his hero, Kenakabashi got murdered by Stan Hansen. <laughs> I, I, I love it because he's, you see Hansen after he's gotten the pinfall, he's just laying on the bottom rope and he's just like, I told you, I told you I'd beat him. Oh God, I, I can't see out of my left eye. He's just—he just looks like again an old, uh, uh, a veteran that has seen some crap that is just grizzled. That's the word, not grizzled young vets. As much as I love those guys, this is a grizzled vet right here that is just—I'm tired of this. I'm getting too old for these young whippersnappers getting in my ring, telling me they could beat me using my move. You just imagine all the grievances he would have as he's going to the back. Where's my beer? Like just everything. He's just cantankerous old man. I love it. I absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like you watch performances like this, and like his entire body of work from from Japan and in the time that he was active. And like when people tell me, like, "Oh, Kenny Omega is the greatest wrestler, foreign wrestler to ever work in Japan," I'm like, "You've never watched Stan Hansen, have you?" You you say to me, "Oh, Vader is the greatest big man to ever work." in the sport of wrestling. Well, you know, I respect Vader, but you've never watched Stan Hansen work. Have you, you know, like people tell me like, he's the greatest wrestler to come out of Texas. Yeah. You've never watched Stan Hansen. Like they say, Oh, dusty roads or, and I love Terry Funk. Terry Funk's the greatest wrestler to come out of Texas. Yeah. You never watched Stan Hansen. Have you? So, yeah. 
I have it's, a lot of love rem- for for Stan Hansen. So it also reminds me of how much I loved uh, at this point when uh, he came in uh, the return of Tenru because he he came in with the idea of when he returned to all Japan. I mean, he and this is really the the basically after the split. Just I'm angry old man as <laughs> an aesthetic, and I love that like Hansen had it for years and years and years as the gaijin but seeing Tenru do it I felt like he was doing a Hansen like tribute <laughs> well they got along so well right so like yeah. I, you know like him Tenru and Hansen were partners for for a short time and they were a great tag team together and but they were legit like I think good like friends with each other they they all were that whole crew were like friendly with one another like you know, Tenru and 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 Jumbo and, and Hansen and all that right so like for for Tenru when he returns after the the Noah split like by by Baba and by Kawada it's like he's like you know like I'm I'm now this age that Hansen mm-hmm. is in this in in, 19, in you know in 1993 like I'm I'm bas- he's basically that age now and when he returns in like 2000 and he's like you know what who can I model myself after Stan Hansen yeah and he you know what Ten Genrichiro Tenru is one of the greatest grumpy old men in the history of professional wrestling. Yeah, I mean, listen. My favorite thing, WH, about Tenru is when he came back after the uh, after the split, he made a new finisher called Fifty Three Years Old. Yeah, like like I'm old. I'm putting you a fifty three year old man's about to drop you on your head. Deal with it. And it, that that to me was just him as a as a as a um, a way of life at that point. Like, listen, I'm too old for this crap. I'm either going to knock you out or you're going to knock me out. I ain't got time for the flippy floppy. Yeah, but he was such a great worker that his matches were were like so compelling and believable that you could be believe that he's beating guys way younger than him because they can't handle like his like how grizzled of a vet he is, like and how mm-hmm. tough he is and how calloused he is. That's the same with Hansen in this match. It's like you know, Hansen has survived wars. He survived wars against Jumbo, against Tenru, against Ricky Choshu, against. Bruiser Brody, Abdul the Butcher, Terry Funk. Uh, you know, he's he's had, you know, minor stints in the AWA and, and WCW against people like, you know, Nick Bockwinkle and and Rick Martel and, and 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 you know, I guess Lex Luger. Sure. Okay, we'll throw in Lex Luger there. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Like it's 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 a hell of a career. Like I look at Stan yeah. Hans' career and I'm like, I I for me, like if I was a wrestler, I would love to have a career like Stan Hansen. Like be a journeyman, but always have that home base in Japan where I'm having the best wrestling that no one outside of Japan knows about. Yeah. And that's the thing. A lot of folks, and I guess it's with the age of now with the internet and where streaming services, they don't get that. If you can do that, like, like with a guy, like, I, you know who I would love to see? I actually WH do this is Samoa Joe. If he gets medically cleared, that would be a good way for him to kind of live out the rest of his career Go over there, do it legit. Don't have to worry about any of these guys. Like I would, I would, I, you know, I was talking with Wade uh, uh, last week on everything. My show there with uh, him, I'll be doing later today on VIP for the torch. And, you know, some folks wanted him to go in the bubble and I could see the the novelty of that. But I think Joe has grown beyond that. I think he can do uh, uh, that true traveling American style where he's the you know grumpy old man that's going to be a gatekeeper and have great matches and be physical as opposed to just this uh, I, I don't know Co- cosplay seems to like a Jim Cornette word to use so I don't know what the right word is to use I I don't think of 
you know, a lot of the wrestlers that go over to Japan have the same kind of mentality as mm-hmm. someone like Stan Hansen or Terry Gordy or Steve Williams had, you know, you know, in their time, um, you know, like some, you know, like some people just do it for the money or they think it's something that they should do as, as a wrestler because they watch so many tapes of, of Japanese wrestling growing up, like, like you and I, you know, they're like of, of a similar age or younger than us that they think, Oh, I, I, I watched all this new Japan stuff. I should go over to wrestle for new Japan as a junior heavyweight or as a heavyweight, like the person I think that's probably has a better chance of coming, having that kind of like career as Hanson is like Jeff Cobb, you know, like as, as he's portrayed now as like kind of this badass and like, you know, this bruiser of, of a big man, like that's who I think should that more than Samoa Joe, like Samoa Joe, I, I would love to see that, but I don't think he would have, cause he's, he's wasted like so much of his career in America. Like he should have been in Japan. Like when he was ring of honor champion, he should have told Gabe, listen, in bet- I, I'm doing my tours of wherever. And then when I'm not on tour, I'll defend this belt for you. Like no problem. And I'll represent the company well, but he should have worked Japan. Like whether it's for Noah, I think probably would have been better for Noah or, or, or all Japan at that time. That's what he should have been doing instead of wasting his time, especially when he went to TNA, that should have been his Japan time. You know what I mean? Yeah, that should have been, and it, it would have been so glorious for him. And I, I even look at uh, someone like a uh, uh, Chris Hero who kind of fell apart, and then WWE went to the NXT, and like there are so many other avenues. And and for him, I'm, I was really surprised because him and Joe are like the two guys that I always see is they they see the history, they know the history, they respect the history, and they could kind of be part of the history because. He in 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 the case of uh, Hero, he tried to be the grumpy old man wrestler deal, but they threw him in NXT UK, which is such an insult to his ability. Like, you didn't need to do that, man. And now, you know, I I, I kind of you know I'll get bits and pieces of his his podcast, but I, I, at this point, I get even pre COVID or post COVID why he wouldn't necessarily want to do the travel. But with Joe, that should be first thing on his mind. Oh, yeah. I mean, with Chris Hero, like he should, he should have also like just said, you know what, I, I'm going to try to get, I'm just, I'm just going to try to get that no gate. The problem with my, my theory about Chris Hero is that like, he, he was too good at everything, mm-hmm. not good at one thing. And like Japanese wrestling likes people to be good at one thing. Oh, wow. That's a good way of looking at it. I never you know, really he was too good at yeah. everything. Like, oh, I can do the bridge style. Oh, I can do, strong, you know, ProRes. I can do the Royal Road. No, just be good at one thing. And they would probably have, like, signed him and given him a, a massive push. You know what I mean? Like, because if you look at, like, the guys who get massive pushes in any Japanese company, they, they know how to do one thing really well. And, like, they could be good at everything, but they focus on one thing when they work in Japan. And I don't think Chris Hero did that, so. Yeah, and I, it's funny you mentioned that. I think that's the dirty secret. A lot of fans, when you first get into Japanese wrestling, don't realize is that it's not that there is a, there isn't a diversity of moves from maybe say what you see in the United States. It's that when people find what they do, they stick to it. And a lot of times, what they stick to in America is whatever the style is of the parent company. And so, if you're like WWE. Here is your McDonald's box. Here's the menu you pick from. God bless. If you're AEW, you can kind of do what you want, but we're not going to give you the internal logic to make this make sense. All Japan, New Japan, especially in that era, you had to get in and fit in. You couldn't be Stan Hansen 27. 
you had to be Chris Hero. And if Chris Hero does the, you know, if he wanted to be uh, uh, a heavier version of what uh, Black Magic was doing in Mexico, great. If he wanted to be uh, William Regal for them or Stephen Regal for them, great. But like you said, if you're trying to be that jack of all trades, that ain't going to fly. No, but he's trying to be Stan Hansen, Johnny Saint, and, you know, and Grand Hamada all in one. Kind of <laughs> so it's kind of a weird thing for Chris Hero to do that. And, and I got a lot of respect. I, I think him, Joe, Danielson, and Loki, like they should have just plied their trade for whatever Japanese company was willing to pay them a, a good amount of money to fly over every mm-hmm. two weeks, every three, four weeks and, and just work. That's what I think they should have done. And they would have they would have been legends in, in, in Japan. Do you know what I mean? Like they could have forged that kind of legacy that Stan Hansen and Brody and, and Williams and Gordy and Vader did. And, you know, but, you know, and, and, and Dynamite Kid to some extent. But it, it, it is what it is. You know, American wrestling benefited from that. That's OK. But final thoughts on Kobashi versus Hansen here, Rich. Like I said, this was the match that got me into World Road. This is the match that then opened, actually. My 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 whole mindset of going into uh, New Japan as well, because that's when, you know, you can do the quick Google and find out, you know, this is the late 90s. And I'm like, oh, so this is the dude that knocked Vader's eye out. I, I want to see that. I would like to see it. And then, you know, seeing all the viciousness of Vader in all Japan, Vader and Noah. Uh, to this day, uh, my buddy Chris and I always have the joke of uh, he's like, why only Japanese when he was trying to go after the title? He's like, Kawada, Kabashi, why only Japanese? No, not Kawada, Veda is. And it's just how he was so simple but effective. It is one man, uh, uh, Clubber Lang-esque uh, treatise on why he needed a shot at first the Triple Crown and then later the Noah Global Honored Crown. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is my entry. This is my gateway drug. I am better for it as a wrestling fan. And I, I inform, like I said, that little stinger we mentioned before, if I hadn't seen and appreciated this match, I would not have appreciated meeting those two men, especially because Kabashi had never been brought into a, 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 a one of those sort of conventions before in the United States because promoters didn't think people would pay to see him, which again, I just want to slap people sometimes. Yeah, I mean, what, you know, modern wrestling fans, they don't have a great appreciation of of the past maybe but for me like this is a quintessential match for both if you want to get to know more about stan hansen and ken kobashi kobashi more so because this is like the the preview the prelude to like what we're going to get years down the road for from him as a dominant force in all japan for wrestling as a professional wrestler as one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time like i i'm kind of in my head right now like there's that whole gwe greatest wrestler ever kind of movement that's happening uh spearheaded by your colleague alan 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 farrell and like i've been thinking about what what's who's on my list and like you know like it's either like Number one spot's either like Kobashi or Jumbo Suruda. And I can't decide which one. Like it always changes week to week, you know, Rich. And this match is a is is a good, you know, kind of sampling of what makes Kobashi one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And I and I wouldn't say necessarily this is like a definitive Hansen performance because he is actually playing the the underdog in this match. But this is a great match. Like if you want to get a, a well-rounded view of Stan Hansen. This is a match you have to see like him playing the fighting from underneath and, and eventually getting that massive win with like just 
blasting Kobashi with that with that clothesline with that lariat. And I, I would say like if you only watch the matches where he just beats the shit out of people, then you're not getting the full range of like of an appreciation for Stan Hansen. So this is definitely something both fans of both both men should should definitely watch. Um, I think it's so important to like all Japan going forward because I think it proved to the fans that hey Kobashi is 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 it like he dominated he lost the match but he dominated Hanson and like when he eventually gets that win I'm sure the place went nuts I haven't watched the match in a long time myself but eventually I'm sure someone's going to pick it to review and we'll talk about it then but uh Rich thank you for joining me here on the long and winding Royal road where can people find more of your work uh, on social media on twitter at rich underscore fan fann where i put most of my stuff out i uh, my home is the torch uh every week i put out uh several shows first of all the deep dive with rich fan which is my weekly uh free show that is a one hour look at anything i want really in the world of wrestling and beyond uh i usually bring on a guest or two like wh at some point i'm gonna be getting on him to come on and uh we could talk about the greatness of kenchan uh <laughs> we're not <laughs> we're not we'll, we'll, we'll talk about someone i actually like that probably be better <laughs> we probably do a, a salute to tenru i'd take a page out of tool time from a home improvement like a salute to get to rotero because i think that would be a, a delightful chat we could have on him definitely, definitely uh and then i also do now a new show on the vip side everything with rich fan where uh everything about wrestling's on the table you know i'll talk about this a little bit and our discussion as well as kind of uh, shows and things off the beaten path. And finally, I write columns for the torch. And I started by being a co-host of the East Coast cast, which is really uh, me, Travis Bryan and Cam Hawkins talking about wrestling, politics, life and everything in between. And as, as we joke, it's not minivan friendly, though. I think at the post, you guys are pretty, you know, adult, not adult content. That sounds like you guys are Doing we're like some... you know like to bring in the comic book kind of like thing like we're we're the vertigo brand of of well done. podcast you know yeah you guys are definitely vertigo and we we try to stick by the comics code you know whenever i have will on i have to remind him several times will this is a free show you can't curse all the time will and then he'll slip one through and think that wade won't hear it and say like, shoot shoot i said shoot it's like nothing now i gotta find the timestamp. it's it's he's a he's a mess but and he's also set several records being a guest on my show, uh, including a five hour interview with uh, the owner, producer, promoter of Ref Pro, Andy Quilden, which uh, got us yelled at for a little bit on the Internet. But I'm used to that now. Oh, yeah, whatever. I guess I, 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 I haven't listened to I listened to some of it. And I was just like, yeah, I don't want to listen to Andy Quinlan. I didn't want to even listen to Andy Quinlan doing commentary for two hours, let alone in a whole interview with the dude. So. But hey, you know what? Will did that. You guys did that. That's awesome. Like I think the Torch does some amazing content. I think there's a lot of deep analysis going on there. I, I'm a big, you know, proponent of like sending people over there. What's another? What's something else that I can listen to besides, you know, like the post wrestling WH? Well, you should go listen to the Torch. You should go listen to Grapple. Like those are all amazing, you know, 
places to, to get great analysis of professional wrestling. And definitely, Rich, we'll, we'll have you back on the show. Maybe we'll, we'll have you on doing a, like one of the bonus episodes of Post Perez in the near future. If you're, if, you're, if you're still watching a lot of Japanese wrestling, we'll get you on that. Um, you can find me, everyone. You can find me at, at WH Park 9. That's number nine. You can find me on MCU later where we're going to talk about the upcoming Loki show. And, and Rich, you're definitely going to be invited to, to, to talk about an episode of Loki if you're up for that. Absolutely. And and maybe I don't know if you're a big Doctor Who fan. I'm sure we're gonna tie in like Doctor Who references to to talk about Loki because it seems to be all about time traveling and the such. Um, but uh that's on a hiatus as like Marvel's taking a, a, a kind of a hiatus between the end of the Falcon or Captain America and the Winter Soldier, as it was rebranded in the last episode, and and then the the new Loki show. So we're gonna be taking a bit of a break from that. But we'll be back with that. And then, yeah, Post Perez, this show. And, and Rich, I got to tell you, this is episode 11. Episode 12 means we're going to do a biography episode. And next week, and then not, not next week, but the next episode after this one is our biography look at Kenta Kobashi. And it's going to be co-hosted by myself and one case low from Voices of Wrestling. So that's going to be an exciting episode. So please check that out when it hits your feeds. And on behalf of Rich, I want to thank all listeners for supporting this show. And we will talk to you next time. And until then, goodbye. Goodbye.